0: Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. So how will the Florida Gators follow up their big win over LSU this week as they head to Vanderbilt? And is the glass half full or half empty for Florida State, who is off with a bye week? And why isn't USF ranked in the top 25, we'll talk to the guy who did not have them on his ballot. Times College football writer Matt Baker joins us in just a minute. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with Steve Verstick on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. But before we get started, hey, if you're like me, you're sick of and tired of paying these high electric bills. I mean, my last electric bill was well over $300. That's just insane. Well, if you want to save 90 to 95% off on your electric bills, listen to me now. May Electric Solar, that's right. They're a locally owned company. May Electric Solar is the safest solar available. It does not use high voltage like many of the other companies. And May Electric Solar has a 25-year warranty on all their equipment and labor. May Electric Solar only uses employees of their own, no subcontractors ever. They also have a full showroom, and you can see their products They're open on weekdays. So stop the insanity of these out-of-control electric bills. Start saving 90 to 95% now. Call May Electric Solar at 727-819-2862. You call them right now, you'll also receive a 30% tax credit by changing to solar energy through 2019. Call May Electric Solar at 727-819-2862. Matt Baker joins us now. And, Matt, you were uh, in Miami for the FSU-Miami game, and I want to get your thoughts on that. FSU is off this week, so it's a good time to talk and take stock maybe of Willie Taggart in the Seminoles. I, I looked at it, and I know FSU fans not seeing this way, this way right now, but, you know, it's hard when you blow a 20-point lead, right, in the second half. But I looked at it as like the glass is half full because I did not expect them to be competitive in this game.
1: No, I didn't expect them to be competitive either because they haven't been very good all season. I mean, again, they, they had the win over Louisville a week or two ago, um, but Louisville is garbage and just got crushed by Georgia Tech. So, no, I didn't expect them to be particularly competitive. So I can certainly see the glass-half-full thing for the Seminoles. Um, I'll, I'll play the opposite side. I'll play the Debbie Downer here because the fact is they blew a 20-point lead. Um, yeah. and and, and <laughs> yes, they, they, they were up by 20, but there were some, some weirdness involved in that. Um, I mean, the, give them credit for DJ Matthews out of Jacksonville, their, their punt returner uh, sprung a big one that had led to a score and, uh, you know, took one 70 something yards to the house, but there's a little bit of flukiness with that. Um, yeah the fact is their offense is still struggling. They're struggling worse than I expected them to. I thought their defense coming into the year, they they certainly have some players and and Brian Burns is a guy you're going to be watching uh, on some NFL roster next year. He is a dude. Um, Mm -hmm. Mark Rick was just raving about him uh, for uh, after the game, number 99 for FSU. So I thought their defense would have some players, but the offense would be what made it go. And the offense is still not looking good. Um, Their offensive line wasn't horrendous. Mm but it was still bad. I mean, uh, Garvin and Gerald Willis and um, Jackson, those guys got to the quarterback, DeAndre Francois, far too often. They're not making a lot of progress there. Their up-tempo is still not up-tempo enough. Um, DeAndre Francois is still, I don't think, making enough passes, and the running backs aren't doing enough to to make a play when they have the opportunity. So that's what would still concern me if I'm an FSU fan. The offense is still a mess. Yes, they were in a game, but— it was you could tell i mean i knew early on okay fsu is going to blow this they're they're not doing enough um really on on defense and, and on offense to to make it sustainable so the, i guess the bye week comes at a good time because they get to look their wounds a little bit before wake next week um, i don't know how the hurricane is going to necessarily mess with their preparation and mentality and what have you but they still have a lot of work to do if they're going to somehow maybe make it to a bowl somehow which i don't see happening
0: what has Willie really done? Uh, do you, what adjustments, if any, has he made in terms of the offense? Because I'm trying to figure out, do they want to go fast? Do they want to slow it down? I mean, just what are they doing to help their quarterback at this point? I know the offensive line is bad.
1: Well, the short answer is not enough, right? That, yeah. That's what they're doing, not enough. Um, ideally, they are a fast team. Um, they they get to the line they hurry up and go they're not blazing fast like uh, maybe like, like UCF is UCF is one of the quickest teams in the country sure. I, I think Willie really doesn't want to be necessarily that quick but he wants to go at it at a tempo and I, I'm one of the things that sticks out to me is Alec Eberly their starting center one of the um, probably the only really good healthy offensive lineman they have. He said after the Virginia Tech loss that for the, us to be successful, we have to be going fast. If you're, if we're not going fast, then we're not doing what we need to do, and we're going to struggle. Yet I haven't seen enough progress in terms of getting the line, hurry up and go. Um, so one of the other things that FSU is kind of trying to do a little bit to make up for the bad line is just your, your quick plays, your, your tunnel screens, your bubble screens, that type of stuff. And they've had a little bit of success with that, but... I mean, Francois is getting hit far too often still. And, you know, we, we saw that with, with some of the sacks and what have you. And I don't, the, I don't know what the long-term fix is. I think one of them, honestly, is Francois has to keep it more on the zone reads. Um, mm-hmm. Because as it is, teams are able to, you know, he hasn't kept it enough. So teams are know when it's a zone read type play, crash on the running back because Francois is not going to keep it. I don't know if that's a situation where he doesn't feel comfortable with his knee necessarily. He's just sure. been banged up too many times. He got, you know, crushed time and time again his other year as other years of starter in 2016. But until he starts keeping it a little bit more and making the defense respect that a little bit more, uh, they're, they're gonna it's going to be more of the same.
0: What do you make of, uh, of where Miami is right now? I can't figure out these guys. I mean, Mark Rick seems to have it going there. He's changed quarterback. Um, I, I don't know how well Cozy Perry really played against Florida State. Um, but they, I mean, are they, you know, that, that damn turnover chain, I'm telling you, there's something about that thing. It's the original and they get it going at home, like nobody's business, but are they, is their defense good enough to carry them, I guess, and, and, you know, in, into any kind of depth at all in the ACC.
1: That defense is really, really good. Really, really, really good. I mean, that defensive front, they just keep coming at you. I mean, Garvin, um, one of my lasting memories from last year was the Notre Dame game where that was probably the best home atmosphere I experienced. Um, sure. that place was rocking and, and you, you know, um, Notre Dame, their whole starting left side of the offensive line was picked in the top 20 or whatever. Jonathan Garvin smoked one of them. And, and I think he had a strip sack of, of, of Wimbush as, as a true freshman. I'm thinking, Holy cow, there's another couple years of this guy. And so mm-hmm. they just keep coming at you. So that front seven for Miami is definitely good enough to, to win the coastal, um, kind of mm-hmm. thinking on their schedule the rest of the year. I, they could certainly finish 11 and one before playing Clemson um, wow. for the ACC title in Charlotte. You mentioned the turnover chain. I've come, you know, there's a guy Bill Connolly for SB Nation, an advanced metrics guy. Tom would love him. He he's gotten me convinced, I think, that tur- a lot of turnovers is luck. You know, the ball's on the ground. I can get it or you can get it. It's kind of a fifty-fifty deal. Right. But the counter argument I make to that is Miami because they are very good at getting those turnovers and i think a lot of that is that stupid bedazzled chain um <laughs> I, I mean it's when they a carrot get it, man yeah it absolutely is um you can just feel when, when the ball is tipped in the air and Miami's on defense you can feel the stadium like oh, are, are we gonna get it are they gonna get it oh. and then you know if it, if it drops and they kind of exhale sadly and if it you know, if they, if they get the pick, then it just goes nuts. And you could feel th- th- the first turnover they had, you could feel the stadium shift. Like uh, Miami, I mean, Miami had been booing their offense because they weren't doing enough. And then finally, they get the turnover. The place explodes and you can feel, all right, there it is. And then, you know, they, they had uh, the 20 point comeback and, and beat FSU. So <laughs> that that there is something special about that stupid chain. There absolutely is. I can't quantify it but I, I've covered enough Miami games and seen that chain come out enough now. There is something to it.
0: It is uh, often uh, duplicated now in many weird ways, but not uh, not equaled in any way that, that Miami has that thing going with the turnover chain. I want, Speaking of front sevens on defense, um, I don't know if you've had a chance to watch any of the replay or some of the highlights of the Florida-LSU game, but Florida's defense suddenly looks like a, a, a really – tough bunch to get by and 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 I think for that reason alone and maybe Felipe Frank's you know playing better each week uh Florida now you look at them totally different than you did a couple weeks ago in terms of what they could do now in the SEC right
1: yeah absolutely and I thought this was the whole you know year zero thing for for Dan Mullen uh, because Jim McIlwain didn't recruit at a high enough level to have them really competitive in the SEC and in the east but man (laughs) <laughs> they've certainly impressed me. They're playing a lot better. And as you said, a lot of it is that defense. I mean, we knew uh, kind of CC Jefferson would be a, a productive player and Chauncey Gardner. But you look at guys like Ja'Kai Polite, who just seems to be everywhere. I mean, Dan Mullen was saying yesterday or two days ago that the only guy who's really see, he's really had who can kind of bend the way he has, he was a grad assistant in Syracuse. They had a pass rusher by the name of Dwight Freeney. I think you've heard of him.
0: Oh, uh, yeah, I've heard of him. Yeah,
1: so that's kind of, if, if your comparison is, is Dwight Freeney for Dakai Polite, uh, that's pretty darn good. And, and the secondary has played well, too. I mean, they're, they're a unit that, to start the year, they were down four players, just four scholarship bodies compared to what Mullen would like, just because of how they recruited before he got there. And, you know, some uh, career-ending heart issues and injuries and what have you. And then they had more injuries. Marco Wilson his ACL in the opener and so on. So they're still down five, six, seven bodies where they'd like to be, but they keep making plays. I mean, Steiner had the safety blitz um, that that sealed it on fourth down against Mississippi State. Steiner had another big play, and Stewart had a big play. So the, the defense as a whole, and in particular the secondary, has played better than I expected, and that's got the Gators in a position where, you know, I, I don't think they're going to beat Georgia at the end of the month. I, I don't know how many teams in the country are going to be able to beat Georgia, but they're in a position where they can be two or three, and then East that is better than it has been in a long time.
0: It's good to see big, important SEC games at Florida Field again. I know that atmosphere was uh, was lit up there at Florida. And, um, you know, look, I like what Dan Mullen's doing because it's, it's real football. What I mean by that is there's not a lot of gimmicks to it. Matt, they're physical. They ran the football, and when you see a team run the football and play defense like that, you feel like you have a chance every week.
1: Absolutely you do. And I do think Felipe Franks is better than he was last year. He's not perfect, Definitely. but right now he's mm-hmm. in a position where – He's good enough for them to keep winning. And, I, you know, what I wrote the other day was, uh, go back to 2015, the Gators were in a similar position, right? They, they yeah. just had, you know, first weekend of October, they had a big win at home over a top five team. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were top 20 in the country. And suddenly you're thinking, OK, maybe the Gators are back with this new coach. And then Jim McElwain never got there. But That's I think the right. way what we're seeing now with Dan Mullen, the way he's building the program, I, I'm, I'm still not sold on him as a recruiter. I'm giving him a pass on that Kind of jury's hmm. still out. Ask me in you know January hmm. and we'll all have a better opinion on that. But what, what he's done with strength and conditioning, with some of the facilities upgrades they're making, it's, it just seems like, and again, I can't quantify this as a just you know, kind of opinion, but it seems like these Gators are going to be built to last more than the smoke-and-mirrors fool's gold that we saw for the two uh, East titles under McIlwain.
0: Yeah, I would agree with that. I I just think it feels different and it looks different. So maybe they can keep it going. No trouble. They won't have any trouble with Vandy, will they, this week?
1: I wouldn't think so. I mean, Vandy hung with Notre Dame earlier in the season, but Notre Dame has changed quarterback since then. And, you know, Vandy's, I guess maybe Florida could sleepwalk into Vandy and run into issues, but no, I, I wouldn't think so.
0: All right, we're going to uh, hit a sticky topic for USF fans. And Lord knows they know their social media. Um, but uh, USF went up to UMass and uh, scored a billion points, but also gave up a billion points. Of course, they had a running back, Cronkite, go for 300 on the ground. You did not vote USF into the top 25. How dare you, Matt Baker? Uh, I know. I'm, I don't think you were the a, I'm lone a ranger there. Yeah. Yeah, a loser but you know, and you're supposed to sh- da, da, da. <laughs> That's right. support your local teams. No one can quite figure out that that is not our jobs. That said, let's have your explanation. Uh, and, I th- and I think it's a good one for why you don't think USF is a top 25 team yet. And do they have a chance to be by the end of the year?
1: I'll answer the last part first. Yes, absolutely. They have to a chance to be a top 25 team in my mind. Um, we're-, we're not there yet. But they certainly can be. So my, my argument on why I haven't ranked them or Cincinnati um, in the top 25 yet is simple. Yes, they are undefeated. But you have to look not just at the record, because if, if we'd only looked at the record, they would be number one in the country tied with Bama and Clemson and Notre Dame. But you, you, you look at the record, but you also have to look at who those wins were against and how they looked in those games. Mm. Okay, so throw out the Elon 1AA game. I I don't take any stock in 1AA games unless you lose, pretty much. Georgia Tech is a nice win. Uh, Georgia Tech is a middling, middle of the pack ACC team, but that is a fine win, period. Move on. Illinois is, depending on what ranking do you use, somewhere around. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care. They're not very good, and USF barely beat them. They needed a fourth-quarter comeback to win. Next, USF beat East Carolina, which is outside the top 100 in the country and the metrics that you look at. And it was a tie game, I believe, in the fourth quarter, and they needed a big run by Cronkright to win at home. UMass is... Outside the top 100 in the country, uh, one place I look at has them as the number 146 team in the country, which means they wow. are worse than, I believe, 16 1AA teams. And uh, yes, USF won by 16, but that was the same score. Ohio beat them by the week before. And Florida International, a couple weeks before that, beat UMass more handily. So I say all that to say, yes, they're 5-0. and However... The wins have not been particularly impressive, and if you're going to play a schedule that is that weak, you have to be killing those teams to to impress me um, as a voter. UCF has done that. They've played a very weak schedule, but their wins have been a lot more convincing. I think all of them have been by at least 20. So that's something you have to take into account. So for for USF to get ranked, I mean, I can't give you a, they have to go 8-0 or anything like that. There's not a magic number, but... They need to keep winning, and the easiest thing would be to start winning those games more convincingly, and they can start doing that Friday against Tulsa.
0: Well, UCF is ranked, and they are still on the uh, unbeaten streak that they uh, continued from last year as national champions or at least self, self-proclaimed self national champions. Mm-hmm. Um, how good are they? I mean, if we see them against... I don't know, a a mid to upper level SEC team like they played last year, I thought, in the bowl game in Auburn. Um, Can they hang with them? I mean, and is is Mackenzie Milton the reason? I mean, is is this guy? I I don't think he's going to win the Heisman Trophy, but should he be in the conversation? He
1: should be in the conversation. Um, No, I don't think he's going to win either. I'm a Heisman voter. I have him somewhere in my. You know, certainly among my top six, seven candidates, he's been in that mm. range every week, um, you know, moving up a little bit, down a little bit, depending. Right. I don't think he's going to win because Tua is putting up numbers on, like, any oh, quarterback yes. of my lifetime, probably your lifetime. I mean, it's crazy. he's just unreal. He's crazy, yeah. Um, but Mackenzie Milton is really, really good. He's really good for that system, too. He's got a good enough arm, but the big thing that impresses you is how quick he gets it out. And UCF, I mean, their, their thing is UCF fast, right? And they are really fast in terms of how quickly they snap their plays. Um, again, a lot of quick passes, a lot of screens, slants, that type of thing. And he does that perfectly. And he's good enough as a runner and willing enough as a runner to make you respect that too. So so how good are they really? I, I think they, again, I don't think they would beat Bama or Georgia. I don't know how many teams would. But they're right. really good. I mean, that no. offense, I don't know how you stop it like again we talked about miami and how good particular they are up front i don't know what miami could do against an offense like that because their pass rushers aren't going to be able to get to the quarterback because they get it out so fast so if you mm. neutralize that then it's kind of in your secondary can you make plays can your linebackers um wrap up and that sort of thing and i, I guess miami could do it um but i don't know The the defense on UCF is is fine, but they're not. I don't think the defense is as good as it was last year when they had Shaquem Griffin anchoring it in the middle. So that'd be the thing. I think to beat them, you'd have to have a shootout. So, like an Oklahoma team, for instance, if they can shore up their defense a little bit, could certainly knock them off. But yeah, I I mean, I certainly would think they would be able to hang with your Mississippi states and your Floridas and and LSUs um, just because their offense would be really hard to stop. If their defense can get a pick or something like that, then then it'd be tough for them.
0: They're at Memphis. uh, That's an afternoon game, and I'm I'm guessing that uh, you know, not since maybe Paxton Lynch have they've been great. But um, is there any team uh, until I mean, we just headed towards a collision. It would appear because the AAC is down, and I'm talking about some of the teams like Houston. Some others, Temple in the past have had some pretty good teams. Are we headed towards just a collision course between UCF and South Florida? You think those two teams will be undefeated by the time they play each other?
1: I don't know if USF will. Um, just because I, I I feel the same way I did with them last year, w- w- with the Bulls I'm talking about here, where, again, you keep playing those close games against not very good teams. Eventually, if you mm-hmm. keep playing down to the level of your opponent, you're going to get bit. And they got bit against Houston last year. And lo and behold, look at who the Bulls play at the end of this month, at Houston. So, yeah. I don't know if they're going to be able to survive that. Um, as far as UCF, just you know, looking at their schedule, like you said, Memphis, it, it, they're fine, but they're not great. I don't think they'll have a problem there. At UCU, should be no problem. Temple's not terrible. Um, they've improved since they struggled earlier in the year, but I'm not sold on them. Navy in uh, mid-November is always tricky, just because I I would say they're one office. of the ways you try and yeah, yeah exactly mm-hmm. if they can. Turn out those eight nine minute triple option drives, then mm-hmm. yeah, maybe you 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 can get that, and then Cincy and UCF at the at the end of the year for for the Knights. and and I, I don't know how good you, uh, how good Cincinnati is yet. Um, again, they're in the same situation as the Bulls, where they're undefeated, but they haven't looked great and they haven't played a tough enough schedule for me to have a good gauge on them. So maybe they could give uh, the Knights a challenge, but you know, as we're sitting here right now. I think there's a pretty good chance the Knights go undefeated again.
0: It's remarkable. Uh, It is the longest, uh, I guess, unbeaten streak in the country right now as they continue to do that. All right, we've got some uh, pretty good games uh, nationally that I wanted to to get your opinion on, and we'll start at LSU, coming off a a tough loss. Uh, You know, they were the fifth-ranked team in the country. They, They get upset by the Gators in Gainesville, which is always a tough place to play, but this week maybe even a better team in Georgia, but they're at LSU. So do the Tigers have a chance to bounce back against these guys? Absolutely. They have a
1: chance. I mean, LSU is still a, a very good team. Um, bro is at quarterback. Is, is pretty darn efficient. Brissette, their running back is pretty darn good. And they've got a lot of good guys on that defense. I mean, Devin at linebacker and, and greedy Williams are guys, that, again, you're going to be seeing on Sundays soon enough, and they're going to be making plays there too. So Yes, LSU can hang with them, but Georgia has recruited at such a high level the last couple of years, and Kirby Smart has them as the closest thing to Bama other than Bama, I, again. <laughs> so I, I would <laughs> I, I think Georgia will win that one, but I absolutely think that one can, can be close because Death Valley is an insane place to watch a game. It's not a night game, which is unfortunate for the Tigers. Yeah, but, that
0: would have um, been something, yeah.
1: Exactly, but no, LSU has a chance, but I would think Georgia can win that one.
0: Another national game, and we'll get to the one that me and Steve are most interested in a minute. But Washington, uh, which is ranked seventh, and and probably for my money, you know, the Pac-12 doesn't seem to be that exciting this year. But they're at Oregon, who is also seventeenth. Any chance that uh, Washington stumbles there?
1: Absolutely. I mean, yeah. Oregon is not a particularly easy place to play. Um, right. Willie Taggart left a. He left the Ducks. Better than he found them. Um, they mm-hmm. they recruit were recruiting at a good level with, with Willie, and it continued uh, under Mario Cristobal, who was able to get a good enough um, recruiting class there in '18. The matchup I'm interested to watch there. It, it, I'm a Tampa guy, so we got to go with it, the locals matchup here. Oregon's nose guard, a guy named Jordan Scott from Pinellas Park. His numbers aren't gaudy. Um, but, I mean, he's a 329-pound run stuffer who started the last 16 games in the middle there. And you look at Washington. Jake Browning's been a fine quarterback, maybe a good quarterback. But he hasn't really played w- huge in most of his big games. So, to me, this game's going to come down to Washington's run game. Miles Gaskin is the sixth leading rusher in the history of the Pac-12. Seems like he's been forever. He's been at, and, uh, with the Huskies forever. If he can get a, a you know, do well on the ground— and I think Washington is going to be fine. But if, if Jordan Scott out of Pinellas Park and the rest of the Ducks defense, um, if they can slow down the run game, then I think Oregon absolutely has a chance, with, a, especially with Justin Herbert, a first-round, future first-round pick at quarterback there.
0: Another local angle, of course, speaking of their defense, Jim Levitt, the defensive Levitt. coordinator absolutely. of Oregon. Yep. Yeah, former, former USF coach and Dixie Hollins Rebel. Thank you very much, alumni, for the Rebels. There you go. Uh, so, So we got uh, here's the big game that Steve and I are interested in and uh, college game day is there as well at the big house. Wisconsin's at Michigan. My wife went to Wisconsin. I know Jim Harbaugh. I like Jim Harbaugh. Uh, I'm not sure about Jim Harbaugh's future, but this seems to me to be a battle of two teams with really struggling quarterbacks. I mean, I probably have more faith in Michigan's, but what do you think of uh, Wisconsin at Michigan?
1: Yeah, I would have more faith in Shea Patterson um, than I would with with Horny Brook as well. That um, you know Shea Patterson's got a very good arm. Uh, there, there's no question about that. That Michigan's receivers haven't been great. Um, Michigan's receivers, of course, coordinated or uh, coached by former Gators coach Jim McElwain.
0: Um, That's right.
1: So my thought is Michigan has played. You know they, they stumbled against Notre Dame in, in week one. And everyone's thinking, oh man, Jim Harbaugh is losing it. And da da da. Well, Notre Dame is really, really good. Uh, they're absolutely right. a playoff contender. So we can look past that a little bit. But at some point, if Jim Harbaugh is going to justify his salary and the hype and everything mm-hmm. else, he's going to have to start winning these big games. Now, yes. at, at Michigan, you're judged by how you do against Ohio State and how you do against Michigan State. We'll find out about that here in the next couple of weeks. But th- this is a game that, if <laughs> if Jim Harbaugh is as good as as Everybody thinks he should be, then he's got to win this one. And the key to that's going to be whether he can slow down Wisconsin's run game. Uh, Jonathan Taylor, I don't think it's had the, the season I expected him to for Wisconsin. So he's going to have to, you know, Harbaugh's going to have to find a way to, to slow that down and keep them from breaking out to uh, to finally get a big win. And, you know, Michigan's stretch coming up. They've got, uh, I think it's Michigan State and Penn State after this kind of bang, bang, bang.
0: Wow. Yeah.
1: He needs to win at least two of those. Uh, I mean, I'm not saying he's on the hot seat or anything like that, but this is a huge make-or-break it or break year for him, and this is a huge make-or-break stretch. If he's going to be the guy that uh, Michigan fans are paying to uh, a high amount to and uh, Michigan fans are expecting him to win Big Ten championships, here's your chance to show that you can contend. Beat Wisconsin, win at Michigan State, and then uh, beat the Nittany Lions to start November.
0: It's a tough stretch for sure, and you know what's what's interesting when I watch you know when I watch college football and I see you know all these spread offenses and 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 you know a lot the ball's in the air a lot I look at Jim Harbaugh and I think and you're kind of running it's you're kind of going back I mean I know that's what Michigan football has been for years and and you know Jim is sort of of that Stanford offense that he had many years ago but it doesn't look like what college football is doing right now. Am I wrong, or does it just look like they're slow, methodic, run first sort of? Uh, it's a, it's more of a pros what what the pros used to be. Actually,
1: I, I think you're exactly right, and I don't know whether that's good or bad. I mean, there's something to the idea of if everybody else is doing one thing, you sure. do the other thing because it's sure. a little bit. Uh, Tougher to slow down. I'm thinking uh, Chris Peterson had a a great line last year. They were getting ready to play Stanford, I think it was. Um, uh, So Chris Peterson, the Washington coach, said, uh, "Yeah, we had to explain to our guys what a fullback was. They they were they were intrigued by it Um, because that's not what those teams do. So that makes it harder to prepare for. You're having to coach different things. The same reason why I think the triple option." can work at, at certain programs beyond Georgia Tech if you, you know if it's the team that doesn't have a lot of other recruiting advantages. So I, I, I see that. and I also know too. you have to remember the, the big Ten weather. Uh, I'm a Midwest guy. Maybe throwing it 50 times a game in Ann Arbor in November is not the best plan uh, given the snow and the elements you might have to deal with. But it's also easy to second-guess when it's not working well either. Um, and I think the big thing is whatever offense you run has got to work. And um, Michigan's shown flashes of that over the years with Harbaugh, but not consistently enough. And, and the other thing I look at with Michigan, too, he he hasn't developed a quarterback there. It's been yeah. transfer after transfer. And even you know even Shea Patterson they, is a guy that they were able to, to land from Ole Miss after the sanction. So at some point, he's got to recruit and develop and groom a quarterback which I, we've seen him do in the past. I, I think he can do it, but he hasn't done it in Ann Arbor yet. And until he does, I don't know if they're going to be able to break through um, and hang with the Ohio States and Bamas of the world.
0: Always great stuff to talk college football with Matt Baker. I'm just glad he didn't bring up uh, Arkansas State's uh, not impressive loss to Appalachian Woof. State. I know. And it was home, too. And they had you know national TV. Ugh. We're still the real, real ASU, though. Just remember that. Anyway, uh, we got a big show for you planned tomorrow. Make sure you're here. We're going to hear from uh, Bucks quarterback Jameis Winston about his first start since the suspension. The Bucks heading to Atlanta for a very important NFC South game against the Falcons. And finally, finally, the Lightning are back Who? in action. Who? Yeah, remember what? those guys? They're they're riding the momentum of that, you know, two to one uh, shootout victory that they had over Florida about a decade and a half ago. But it was actually the regular season, so. They get to play Vancouver tonight at Emily Arena. So they'll be back in action, and we'll have a lot of discussion about that. Make sure you're here with us every Monday through Friday. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times for Steve Burstick. Have a great day, everybody.